Today in the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we are going back five years, remembering the 2015 Petit Le Mans IMSA season finale. Ten hours, normally the close to the season in normal circumstances, but this 2015 race, anything but normal, run under the heaviest of clouds and skies, downpours a frequent participant throughout the event, and come race day, Oh, Lord, did we have something special happen, courtesy of the Porsche GT team. So we spend about 45 minutes or so here with our good pals, Nick Tandy, Patrick Pillay, third member of the driving team, Ricard Leitz, wasn't available, unfortunately, but got together here, I believe, late September to have this look back. They definitely unearthed some gems about a magical day, what we definitely look back at as one of the handful of great sports car wins in the first two decades of this century all courtesy of the amazing tires carried by their Porsche 911 RSRs that being Michelin in the GT Le Mans class the rest of IMSA's classes from prototype where we had LMP2s and Daytona prototypes the GTD class LMPC all on Continentals And as we wrote back then quite often, oh boy, there was a massive difference in quality. Well, guess what? When you go to rain tires between the two brands, it was like, (laughs) it was not good. And that is what enabled our friends at Porsche to win Petit Le Mans overall in a GT car and knock down all the prototypes. And as our friends, Nick, And Patrick will tell you, knock them down over and over and over again. So we're just winding the clock back here. Truly an amazing, amazing result. I think about five years later, my shoes and socks are finally dry from being at that event. But I really hope you enjoy this conversation with them celebrating this magical time five years ago in Georgia. This entire episode, as usual, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa gents looking back at this five-year anniversary of this insane finish at petit le mans i'm not even sure where we should start rain certainly was a huge huge component of how the weekend finished but should we start a little bit earlier knowing that rain was in the forecast qualifying was certainly wet i mean the stage was set a little bit for this being a non-traditional weekend nick do you want to open up for us on i guess mindset uh going through practice and qualifying and preparing for what 10 hours of racing saturday in good old georgia was going to be like yeah obviously we had the forecast and we could see you know there was there was a, a likelihood of rain for the for the race day, um, the same as everyone else. But going through practice, you tend to always try and set a car up for, for dry conditions um, mainly, and because you never know what the for- how the forecast can change. And you can kind of you can always run a wet race with a dry setup, but it's very difficult to to be competitive in a in a dry race if you've got a full wet setup on the car. So basically, the yeah the 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 practice session. I think all the practice sessions were running the dry. If I'm wrong i don't i can't remember I think uh yeah we yeah. We, we, uh, we have a rain one it was a night session mostly just before the night session yeah 
we planned basically for yeah setting the car up for a for a for a dry race um and the night session yeah we got some running um but kind of we we knew from from previous times that we'd we'd run in the wet that year um on the tire that we had that going basically going out and putting a wet tire on a dry setup was the car was always pretty good which is obviously what you want your wet tires to be to, to work at um so we got a bit of practice uh, we obviously had the qualifying to see to see how the car was again in the daylight we went through the, the kind of the the, the build-up to the race just working as a, as a normal weekend patrick the thing that brand new fans might not understand since we have been all michelin tire in imsa for a couple of years now across all the classes back in 2015 gt le mans was the only class running on michelins there was also i believe the uh the falcon uh shod porsche as well that was being run then but tell folks about an era where all the other classes including the quote top class daytona prototypes and lmp2s were on a different brand of rubber that while in the dry they were the fastest they weren't extremely fast compared to the gtlm cars on michelins uh and then certainly as we started to look at the possibility of a, a wet weekend and a wet race there are some of us that were salivating a bit thinking oh this could be fun. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I remember very well all this weekend. And um, I remember uh, we have like night practice uh, and we try some, like you say, we have the chance at this time to have the Michelin, not only Michelin tire, but it was a special tires, like confidential tires like we use in WEC. Uh, because at this time it was um, it was uh, this kind of, of tires we use uh, for all GTLM uh except uh, the falcon car who was on falcon tires and this tire was mega on the rain it was really really good um we have a, a night practice and i remember at this time it was pouring a lot uh, and there is not so many cars driving uh, because it was a lot of aqua planning and i remember at this time we decided to cut the, the the tires because we can make extra groove when it's a lot of water just to get uh, less aqua planning yeah and uh, from the experience we have from other uh, series, like WEC, uh, we know that that is working pretty good. And I remember um, I was in the car at this time, uh, in the night, just at the end. Nobody wants really us to drive because it was really difficult condition. But you say, okay, let's, let's just try to see if it's really efficient or not. And it was, and it was really good. Uh, so we keep in mind this. Uh, and you will see later in the race, it was something really important, actually. Um, and like Nick said, after just the quali was also in a difficult conditions. Um, and if I remember well, I mean, uh, Earl was was uh, doing the pole. Nick was P2. Unfortunately, Earl, Earl had a, a big crash. To be yeah. honest, at this time in quali, it was more or less the guy who takes the most of the risk who, who did pole. Um, and Earl take a bit too much. Uh, it was quicker for sure. But then in the next lap, he, he crashed and he damaged the car heavily. Uh, for us, it was different because uh, Nick managed to get a, a really good lap. And we are in pole because the other car have to start from the back. But unfortunately, also the, the small difference with these uh, tires was at this time, um, the tire was a bit smaller. 
and uh, we didn't pass the 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 scrutiny after for a few mil, uh, and we have to start from the back of the grid. So there was drama, as you mentioned, <laughs> which was the other part. Yeah, a lot, uh, a lot before the race. A lot of drama. Uh, yeah, Earl Earl crashed a ton. I believe the Falcon Porsche also crashed hard as well. So we have repairs. We have a not fun experience going through uh, technical inspection as well. And then we continue to have uh, the skies just remaining absolutely open and making for, I guess for those outside the car, uh, a very wet race with shoes and socks filled <laughs> mud lining the track it was it was a fairly treacherous uh, petite le mans nick i know again uh, we're doing our best to to set our minds five years back and be sharp and accurate but what comes to mind in terms of preparation leading into the race this is not an event now where you can put two wheels off uh, without it being a some sort of significant penalty, you're having to avoid painted curbs. You know some of the normal things where, in a dry petite Le Mans, you'd be attacking using every inch of the road. Tell us about going into ten hours of ooh, the circuit itself is something I have to manage because if I get any of that wrong, uh, we could be out of the race very easily. Well, yeah, this is it. So we had all the stress on. It must have been the Friday night after the qualifying because the team had to they had to retub the 912 car. Um, so it was late and stressful for them. And then basically, as soon as everyone got up early on the Saturday for the race, it became pretty clear that it was going to be pissing down all day, pretty much, which is how it turned out. And I mean, I don't remember really talking about it, but I guess, I mean, like you said, Atlanta is one of those tracks where you make a small mistake, you have a huge accident. You don't you don't often see small crashes at Atlanta. It's a bit like the Nürburgring. Um, and that's that's kind of in the dry. So like you say, in the rain, if you drop a, a wheel off here, you put a wheel onto the grass, you, you put a couple of wheels onto an exit curb, something like this early in the race, it'll be game over for sure. Um, so, you know, yeah, going into that race, our mindset was get through get through the first eight hours, if you like. Um, and yeah, we knew from previous experience that our car and our tire was, was good against our GCLM opposition. So even though we were starting right at the back, um, there, there wasn't really a lot of stress for the first, yeah, I would say the plan up until the red flag really, I guess, which came out, what, about five hours in, I guess somebody, you probably know better than me, Marshall, but, um, yeah, we were just kind of cruising around, obviously the, the safest place to be is when when you're not in and amongst traffic so so if we dropped back during pit stops or or yeah starting at the back you know if you could clear cars you would, but without taking any risk and um yeah as patrick mentioned earlier even from the start of the race and throughout the entire what would turn out to be eight hours and a bit i think it was even driving in on the straight and uh, the aquaplaning it was the, the risk of, of something happening or making a mistake was was huge all the time. Even if you're just driving around kind of at 90%, the concentration needed to, to keep the car on track and um, and make sure nothing happened was was huge. So it was, 
yeah, it was not your, not your typical starts and uh, preparation to a to a long endurance race. And Patrick, let me ask this because we know we know how the race ended. We're going to get to that, and we're not trying to spoil the the fun narrative that we're discussing here by getting into the finish right away. But was there any thought? As you're preparing, you know, as the start of the race is coming up in the minutes or hours before, was there any thought that, hmm, supposed to have 10 hours here. I know that our Michelin wets are something very special compared to what uh, all the other classes have. Hmm. Wonder, wonder if an overall win or a podium wonder if we can upset some people because our car obviously rear engine portion 911 is going to be a magical thing in these conditions but also uh with the benefit of the best tires in the event just curious if anyone was thinking if things go well we might be able to really shock and surprise a lot of folks today yeah uh- Definitely. First, because like the the practice we have, um, I think we are overall P4. Um, only three prototype was quicker than us, and we didn't really take any risk. Uh, also in quali, the lap from from Nick uh, put him in the in the first two or three row uh, this time. So we know the the performance was huge. To be honest, that was also the 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 bet I made with uh, with Frank Valizer and say, okay, let's let's win this race overall and. And the story about the car, uh, we can have the car after uh, if we won the race overall. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. If you won the world, you can have everything you want. And I remember the first stint. So Nick starts from, from last. And uh, directly after one stint, he was leading the, the, GT, the GTLM field. And um, I remember I was after him and he started to rain a bit more. The BM was quite quick behind us. And... Um, and the Falcon also was quick at this time. And um, I remember Gary, my our engineer, just tell me, "Oh, let let go of the Falcon." He attacked the BM because the BM was just in front of me. Uh, because I don't want to take risk at this time. I know exactly it was not the moment to take any risk because the race will be long. It will be a lot of of cautions and everything. And at one point, um, I see the the Falcon struggling, and I say to Gary, "Okay, now I go." Then I overtake the Falcon, I overtake the BM, and I just open the gap to him. And I keep pushing, and I overtake many cars, like also prototype, because it starts to rain a bit more and more. And the aqua planning, like Nick said, was even worse. And uh, our car was, okay, still super difficult to drive, because you can lose a car every every moment. But I still pushing, because you know how is it in this condition. You have to keep the temperature on the tires, you have to push, because if you don't push, you're also losing temperatures, and it's even more difficult. And at one point, Gary told me, I remember like if it was yesterday, he said, ah, Patrick, how do you feel you're leading the, the race overall now? And I was like, Gary, I don't care about leading overall. I just care about where is the BM. <laughs> because mm-hmm. the BM was also super quick. They are like P3 or P4 overall at this time. And, uh, but at this moment, after the stint, when I jump out, I realized, oh, okay, for sure the car was mega, was difficult. Like Nick said, we have to stay concentrated all the time. But I realized that maybe there is a chance uh, to win overall. Honestly, we never really expect until the end because every time you have a safety car, the prototype restarts in front of you, in front of the GTs. So we have to overtake them again and again and again, every cushions. 
So it was nearly impossible on paper, even if we are faster, because, you know, with the spray, with everything, to overtake is, is quite difficult. But I think after this, this first hint, I realized, hmm, maybe there is a chance. What I love about this, and this is just fun for me as a nerd and former engineer and strategist and all that kind of nonsense, is going back and looking at the lap chart from 2015 (laughs) and everything you're mentioning uh patrick and and nick it's just spelled out like if i could get the lap chart to talk it would tell the most amazing story so you rolled off you guys rolled off 26th on the grid so starting the race timing and scoring registered you as 26th by lap two you were already up to 21st If we go to lap 10, you're up to 12th. If we go to lap 16, so just 16 laps in, you guys are sitting fifth overall. I mean, again, it's just, it's not even funny. And as you mentioned, uh, the number 24 BMW was right there with you. So there was definitely a great GTLM battle taking place within uh, the race. And we get a, now granted, there's some yellow almost right away. We get some more caution stuff uh, taking place, lap 32 to lap 36. But you guys take the overall lead during that second yellow in lap 35. And yep. from there on out, except for a couple of weird little exchanges here or there, you're running in the top five for the rest of the race. Uh, there's tons of yellow uh, we, you're talking about red, we get some reds in there as well, but we get to lap 135 in this race and you take the overall lead just on merit, uh, just straight up going by <laughs> Daytona prototypes and Daytona prototypes and P2s share with the folks what that is like. Now, obviously this is not a bad year for you, Nick, having won the 24 hours of Le Mans in one of the world's greatest prototypes, the Porsche 919. But this has to be a little bit of a strange thing, knowing you're sitting inside of a GT car, looking over at these custom hand-formed prototypes going, uh, you're going behind me now? All right, cool. Let's keep doing this. Is that surreal at all when that's happening? At the time, you see, the problem was at the time, we were fighting for a championship. And um, there was three championships on the line within GTLM. So the whole kind of focus around the weekend was, was, was beating the 24 in the race, you know, and, um, and trying to take these championships, these three championships for Porsche and, and Patrick. And um, so, I mean, for me, it was more kind of ba- when, when, the, when we were passing prototypes a lot, you know, say for the first I don't know, three or four stints I was in the car. They were just a nuisance because I knew I, I was just trying to get a gap to the to the GTLM fit cars that we were that we were fighting for the championship with. And yeah, you know, we, we were there was there was probably there was two or three decent speed prototypes. I think there was um, there was a couple of the Action Express. Yeah, there was a fight there with Bourdais and one of the Action Express Corvettes. Um... A lot of the time you'd come up to a car, maybe it got a new driver in or something like this, and they were five, six, eight seconds a lap slower than we were, you know, trying to find their feet. And, and of course, you've got, to, you've got to appreciate as well. The other thing is in these conditions, in a cold Atlanta with heavy, heavy rain, 
um, that's seen no sun at all during the day, tire temperature is 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 also massive. And and the faster you go, the more tire temp you get. So the more grip you have, and it just builds like this. And and prototype tires, they're designed to be able to cope with with big downforce on a on a drying track. So if you don't put energy into a into a tire like that for a start, you're never going to get grip. So there's, there was cars that were never going to, you know, gain the grip from the tyre because they simply couldn't go fast enough at the start of the stints, if you like. So a lot of them, they were just, they were just in the way. And um, one of the biggest issues we had during the race, it's like Patrick said, every time we go green, let's say we, we went, we went yellow for a, for an instant, and and everyone pits, and you have the GT cycle, then you have the prototype cycle. We might be Peter in the race, but after the pit stop. So we come out behind all the prototypes, no matter where we were running in, in the overall classification before the start, before the before the caution. So then you restart after the caution and there might be 10 or 12 of these really much slower cars in front of you. And the restarts were, uh, it was it was it was really difficult, I, I, I have to say. And um, yeah, I remember getting stuck behind one guy. He was he was doing a fairly decent job. Um but we clearly got a lot more pace in the in the slower corners. But I just couldn't I, I couldn't get past him. And then every time he got to the straight, coming out of turn seven, um, you know, he'd have enough um, speed down the straight to be able to pull past for me not to be able to make a move into into ten or something. And then you kind of sit behind him all the way round round the S's and stuff. And and all the time, you know, I've got I've got the other I've got the BMWs behind, trying to trying to keep them behind. So that there was still a focus. For me, up to right up towards the end, that that we were just we were still racing the GTLM cars, not not the not the prototype. And Patrick, I'll I'll ask if you could add to Nick's note, and I do recall this as well. We would have again somebody would fly off the road and crash. We'd have a yellow, and depending on the severity of the crash and the time it would take, we would go through the long official pit stop procedure as he mentioned with prototypes going first then gt and it was a situation where you guys would pass all kinds of cars yellow pit stop process get thrown back many many positions have to do it all over again yellow pit stop process get thrown back have to do it all over again i don't know how many cars you all passed uh but it absolutely must have felt like it was a nonstop blur of vehicles going past your side windows, having to keep uh, making up ground whenever we had these yellows and such. What is that like? Is Does that become enjoyable? Is it nerve-wracking? I don't know what that experience would be like over and over again. Uh, to be honest, we, we, we just managed to, like Nick said, to stay in front, and we are just so focused you cannot you cannot think about anything else like like nick says the target was to keep the bm behind uh, i remember there is a contact also at one of the restart uh, with farfus in turn three he tried to overtake uh, outside and there is a small contact and was really aggressive so we know that they will be aggressive on us because that that's the only chance they have because on on pure pace we are a bit quicker but he try everything but at this point, we just go as quick as we can. And if there is a car, if it's a GT or GTD or a prototype, doesn't matter. We just need to go forward all the time. That, that was the only target. 
And I remember this time, I mean, when you overtake Singbo uh, uh, there at the end, uh, exit of uh, 10B, the last chicane, because the traction on, on our Michelin was like unbelievable to compare with them. To be honest, in the corner, fast corner and everything with the downforce, they are, they are a bit better and quicker in the straight. But in the slow corner and traction was, was a huge difference. Um, but yeah, our job was just to stay focused, uh, to avoid the, you know, this downhill section where every lap you lose the car with aquaplaning. And you have to, because if you slow down and to avoid the aquaplaning, you have to slow. So you just have to trust that the car grip again and, and, and still stay on track. Um, but I remember like we just passed the other, it was no, it was for me when I was in the car and I think it was the same for Nick, it was no GTD, no GTLM, no prototype. It was just cars. And we just tried to move forward all the time, all the time, all the time. It was the same process during all the race. Another thing that's fun and interesting here, and maybe you can just share some insights about how bad things were getting behind the wheel. There was a red flag uh, looking at my notes here, five hours and 21 minutes into the race. And we had the rather unique thing. I don't know if you got to see this uh, during the broadcast, um, but race director Bo Barfield <laughs> drove out onto the track in uh, yeah, I remember. One, of the, uh, one of the circuit vehicles and uh, helped and was inspiring the corner workers to dig channels into the grass lining the circuit to try and help the water to run off and run away from the tarmac itself. We were down for, uh, what, an hour, almost an hour and a half as the circuit workers were physically digging <laughs> water runways to try and get it off of the circuit so there wasn't a swim party and pool for everyone the whole time. This was mental how much water was falling and then how much water the uh, the track side soaked up filled up there was no more that it could really hold and we started getting at a, just a crazy amount of standing water on the track at this point um what was that like to experience behind the wheel well this is it, it i mean it wasn't really when it becomes difficult and dangerous in the in the rain is when you have the standing water and the cars are literally not in control i had this at road america for example this year it's um it's not it's not so much the rain it's not the even if it's dark in the night um, it's when there's standing water and yeah, I absolutely remember watching Bo going out and, and everyone and doing their best to try and clear the, clear the water and digging these great big ditches. And yeah, you know, it, it, it works for a while, but like you say, the, at, at one point, the, the area around the track, it was completely waterlogged and there were places, um, like Patrick was saying earlier, down the estuaries, the water's just, it's just running off running off the banks and, and at some point it's got nowhere to go except to cross the track and when you've got sort of rivers like this there was there was places everywhere there was three or four on the back straight there was a big old river between turn five and six over the crest and down in the dip yeah it's it's at that point that the the, the, the speed that you can go is is kind of out the window it's more about just trying to keep the car on the track and to be really fair to IMSA and Bo you know they did a good job and they re they red flagged the race for a reason and um it was you know when they did it was time to do it because i think if they'd left it much longer there would have been big crashes and you know probably half the field off the track so um i was a bit surprised when we when we got going again but actually the track was better than, than when we when 
when we had the red. Did we have one red flag or two? I can't. Didn't, didn't we have one, one? Yeah, when we went back going again, it was um, it was good. But the rain didn't stop. And then, of course, it, it came back harder again. And uh, eventually we did have another red flag, but it was with a checkers. I agree with Nick. It was exactly, I mean, it's not so often you see a race director going on track and checking by himself. Uh, with a car driving on track with a normal car to see the amount of water and uh, to be honest it did a good job to to leave the show because that that's the main thing is to leave the show if it's possible to drive you have to drive and at the end when they stop the race to be honest with you we can still do driving but i'm not sure the other can you know with a porsche for sure we have we, we it was dangerous it was difficult uh you can see with the 912 they have exactly the same car and, and they have a crash also, uh, or a spin. I mean, remember in turn one and, um, it was difficult, but we can still drive a bit for us, but it was the right decision because you have to think about all the classes, all the prototype, all the guy on track also. And I think it was, a was the right decision. And for sure, we cannot complain about this one because he, he arrived when we are, when we are leading. For sure, the GTLM, but also the overall class. So. so let's start to focus on the end of the race, guys. Now, we know that, again, it's scheduled for 10 hours. This isn't something that we ran to full length. We are continuing to have insane amounts of rainfall, crashes, and caution periods. And, I mean, this is just something where seemingly... It felt like every time we went back to green that we were going back to yellow very quickly uh, because of a variety of incidents over and over again. We did get a little burst, though, of green running from lap 178 to lap 193. Uh, This is where uh, we go back to green on lap 178. You guys are holding fourth overall behind... Uh, let's see, I believe the Action Express, uh, I'm trying to remember if they were Action Express, but the 31 uh, Corvette DP was leading. Actually, I think uh, the two Corvettes were in front of you as well, uh, going back to green, and you had both BMWs directly behind you. Share some thoughts on what would prove to be the last 20 or so laps of the race. We didn't know it at the time. We didn't know that they were going to uh, red flag and then call it uh, overall uh, on what I believe lap 199 or so ended up being the final lap of the race. But as we go back to this last green stretch, you guys are sitting in fourth. You've got two GTLM rivals behind you, two in front, and a uh, Corvette DP leading. Tell me about this experience because that's when the fireworks really started to happen. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we, we could see what was happening. And the fact that we'd had this red flag and the fact that there was another caution and another caution. And, you know, I, I, I got the feeling, I know I was in the car at the time, but I do remember thinking this could be ended at some point. And it could be ended at, at some point soon. I, I don't, I've got no idea how, how the two Corvettes ended up in front of us. Maybe there was a pit stop cycle. It must have been because I don't remember the ever kind of racing them. But then, like you say, we've got this car behind us that we're, we're fighting for a championship. So, for example, if we go green now and I get caught up, we get caught up with the, the Corvette, something like this, and the BMW gets past us, and then three laps later there's another yellow because someone else has gone off, it could be the end of the race. It could be the end of our year. It could be the end of the championship. So I remember 
I think I think we managed to get past both Corvettes. You did uh, on that opening seven. on that first green lap. It was. Yeah. I'm looking at my notes here. Lap 178 restart. TND P4 behind both Corvettes passes both before end of lap. 7.07 second gap to leader Eric Curran uh, to start lap 179. 8.1 second gap. So he pulled out. Curran pulled out a little bit. Start of lap 180. Uh, and then I'll save uh, your retelling the pass on Kern at turn 11, which was nasty, uh, about seven laps later. But, yeah, you cleared the two Corvettes, and then you're in P2 starting to hunt down a freaking prototype for the overall lead, my man. Honestly, it was still all about can we stay in front of this car that we're fighting for the championship. And, honestly, we're obviously aware that there is that we're running P2 in the line because we, we started in, we must have been P4. So we're obviously, I'm obviously aware that there's only one car in front of us, but it's, I'm not shitting. At the same time, it's still, if I catch it up, it's still a car that's potentially in the way. And um, yes, the, you know, the race could be ended anytime soon, but at the same time, it could have gone on for another two hours. Yeah. The, the plan was we go out there, we go as fast as we can. We try our best to, to do our best to, to beat the, the cars that we're, we're fighting for our championship. If we happen to be quick enough to, to pass prototypes and move up the overall order, great. You know, if we get an overall podium, great. As long as it, it helps our chances of winning this, this drivers and manufacturers and teams championship. So, yeah, off we went. And, um, yeah, like I say, I remember getting past two Corvettes in basically in, in turn one, the exit of turn one, and then just try to build a gap um, as much as possible in case something happened, of course. And then, yeah, we started reeling in. We must, we must have started raining heavier um, yeah. for the prototype to start coming back to us. Yeah, it's it's like I said before. The, the, the minute you kind of you start to ease off as such, you, you start to lose tyre temperature and it kind of becomes easier to, to make mistakes. As long as you're careful where the car is is not touching the circuit, where it's aquaplaning, there's nothing you can do. As long as you're careful here then work the car hard in, in the corners where you actually are touching the surface to keep your tyre temperature. And kind of this is what happened. And, and I guess we, we were catching, catching, catching. And and luckily, I mean, we, it was a normal problem where we'd be quick in the slow corners, but the prototypes would pull away out of the, out or down the straights. So then you get to the next slow corner in a braking zone or something, and you catch them back up. And then they'd pull away and through the fast stuff, they were not too bad. But luckily I managed to, I can't, I don't think there was traffic. I think we were on our own, but um, maybe that with the with the standing water on the back straight, he wasn't able to go flat out um, down the back straight. And I basically managed to get to get close enough under braking because we were also so much better under braking into the slow stuff. Managed to get close enough under braking, and then yeah, with our with our traction, um, I just I, I planned the best the best and easiest and the safest way. Um, to execute our race was to try and pass it on the on the inside on the exit of ten, because this is where we were really strong. So I just managed to to, to set it up, get close enough on the braking, set it up through ten A, and um, and pull the undercut from from ten B, and uh, and yeah, and got it done. And as long as we were kind of in front of him before we went over the crest, then the the move was kind of done because he was never going to be able to get back and and get try and get back at us through through turn twelve, the last corner. So yeah, this was this was pretty cool, and and then kind of then you thought you realised well yeah 
now we're actually at the head of the field. Let's this is this is good, but let's let's see what happens. There's potentially another ten to uh, two hours still to go. Patrick, I don't know if you heard it because there's obviously a lot of loud racing engine noises and such. It wasn't exactly a, a still a packed house by this point with fans and whatnot, but there was an eruption when Nick got by for the overall lead. And I know we've, we've well explained that the team's focus wasn't on prototypes or any of that nonsense. It was winning all, everything possible in GTLM. But do you recall the reaction within the team at least of, hey, yeah, we're here for GTLM, but pardon me, but holy shit, <laughs> uh, that was nice. And then just to add, so Tandy's crazy ass gets past Curran, uh, internal Evan on lap 187 by the end of lap 190 just a couple laps later 9.9 second lead i mean this was wow but share thoughts from what it was like on pit lane and are you uh, are you starting to give uh, our good old pal uh frank and i uh mr stefan walser about like hey the, uh tell me where i need to load my car up because i'm taking this sucker <laughs> home yeah, I remember. I, I was in the in the driver lounge. I was not in the pit uh, because it was pouring, and I just tried to relax because I was supposed to jump in the car after. Um, so I was just with uh, with Nick, uh, wife uh, Brittany, in the in the lounge. And I remember I don't have the radio. Brittany have it, and and I remember the moment Nick overtake for the overall lead, and I hear everybody like so happy from the box, who is like hundred meters away, and. Um, and also on the radio, uh, the Gary comments like, um, uh, "Good job, keep going, and 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 stay focused and everything." And 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 I remember a few laps later when when there is another caution, and I was like, "Oh no, again! We did all the job, and we have to do it again and again and again." And I start to to think, "Okay, I need to be ready because maybe in a few laps I will have to jump in the car again." And then this magic flag <laughs> arrive <laughs> at the same time and i just like i didn't realize at the beginning i just just britannia told me like you won you won overall and i was like no no way no, it's not it's not over it's not possible you know i i, I can't believe it i think it's it, it can continue maybe it's a restart after they said no 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 look look there is a checkered flag i was like totally shocked but uh then i i ran directly to the pit and and see the guy and it was yeah it was really a magic moment so guys share with us this amazing result now cemented with the checkered flag uh the 10-hour race lasted seven hours and 51 minutes of competition you achieve your goals your class goals as well uh behind you uh you finished with the 24 BMW behind you uh, achieved everything you wanted to there as well. Plus you get this crazy overall win. What kind of emotions are running through you at this again, unheralded finish in the modern era. Uh, And then also let's just talk a little bit about time. I know it's only five years ago, but it still feels like such a magical result that hell we're here talking about it today. Yeah, sure. So, so we have this, this final yellow, and I get the call, you know, we have the light in the car. I get the call, right, caution's out, caution's out. And you're like, oh, right, okay, right, here we go again. And I think I was probably in about on the back straight somewhere. 
and uh, and yeah, we came we came around the corner. I, I, we've got no idea it was the last lap, no idea the second flag was coming out. And the first I knew that the race was being checkered was I came around the corner and I saw the flag the flagman waving the flag. And I think I radioed into the team and said, you know, it's it's over. We've won it. We've won it. Even before anyone else had realised that it had kind of gone checkered. Because nobody had said to me, look, it's the end of the race, blah, 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 blah. So then all the, all the celebrations started. Yeah, we've, we've, completed, we've completed our goals for, for a season's worth of racing, or even two, you know, two seasons' worth of racing. To go out there and win the Manufacturers' Championship, the Teams' Championship, and the Drivers' Championship, um, we've, we've completed everything that we've set out to do. So the, the emotion of that is, is huge enough. But then when you realise that you've just, you've just won this race overall, this, this historic race that numerous teams and, and, and drivers try years and years to, to have results in and go there for special reasons to try and win this race. We've just gone out and, and bloody won it in a, in a 9-11 against all these, these 800 kilo, 700 kilo prototypes. So it was, yeah, it was just amazing. And um, yeah, definitely, it was definitely the best cool down lap that I've, I've had in, in history. Um, and yeah, you know, seeing, seeing everyone's faces in, in the pit lane, it was, it was just amazing. Jumping out of the car and seeing Patrick and seeing Richie and, uh, and, and Marco at the time was, was heavily involved. The, just the faces of people, it was, it was like shock mixed in with pure emotional enjoyment and but but also there was this sense of relief that we got through this torturous time this torturous race cleanly and we've we've managed to we've managed to come out as the winner and patrick how about for you knowing that you've just achieved something that met all of porsche's goals on the craziest of days where as we saw thanks to all those yellows the number 911 porsche could have certainly through no fault of your own been hit by someone else and taken i mean there's so many opportunities for things to go wrong share with us the thoughts on holy crap it was so easy for our plans to be destroyed and in fact absolutely everything happened that we wanted to and we won the damn thing overall yeah i mean this year was really special and we called the 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 dream year and the dream team also we everything went to our side the race before in 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 kota we should have won championship already and uh, we have to pit for fuel for one lap um, by leading the race so it was it was heartbreaking but um, we know we have a strong team and 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 a really strong people all, all year long and yeah it was just the achievement of so many uh, people walking on this and and i remember like if it was yesterday i mean the emotion was was totally crazy but to be honest i still didn't realize maybe until uh it was Rensport i i met uh vic elford and he come to me and he talked to me about this race he said you know i watch this race and you ride the legend of porsche and you didn't realize because you you're doing your job and 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 you're just winning another race okay it was overall but it was the one and only overall victory for for porsche at petit it was something like unique and especially doing it with the gt cars is still something unbelievable and nobody can take this out for from for us 
And um, yeah, when you have legend like 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 Vic tell you that, you just realize even more how big was this moment and how much pleasure we have all to work together. And and yeah, it was it was something unique. And I hope to have some some other moment like this, but uh, it's not so often in a in a racing career. Well, let's close on this, gents. Takeaway. So you mentioned this, uh, I think, kind of lighthearted bet uh, with one of Porsche's senior leadership before the race. Uh, do you walk out into the garage, Patrick, and stare at a beautiful uh, 2015 spec Porsche 911 RSR? And Nick, what do you have at home? I don't know if you got a little museum going yet, but uh, you got a lot of trophies from that year as well. Uh, let's talk about uh, modern era, looking back at keepsakes and uh, how you try and cherish this result from five years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the beauty that we have now is that all the races, they're always, they're always going to be available online. <laughs> and, uh, I've, you know, I've watched the race back more than once, more than five, five times. You know, whenever I'm feeling low, for whatever reason, I, can, I know I can always go on YouTube and I can watch the day when we made history. And yeah, and you get to see. We're, we're very lucky that it's that it's you know, documented like this now to to see to see people's faces, you know, from the the reaction in the pit afterwards if you're in the car, or, or to see the you know stuff that you don't remember, like when you come out of the car or, or you're on the podium and, and stuff like this. There's a lot of things you don't remember. I've got no idea what we did after the race or the next day. <laughs> party yeah i'm sure but yeah I, i've got no idea if we went to the banquet the day after like no or, or what we did I, I really cannot remember um but yeah it's i mean even you don't realize at the time it's just as patrick said you, you don't kind of realize the enormity of, of what happened um it's it's stuff like when you go back and i can't remember when they put the pictures of all the cars up along the wall of the, the all the overall wins yeah Maybe that was what 2018, something maybe 2017. But there's all these there's all these great cars, you know, all these Audis and Peugeots and um, the the Lolas and yeah, the, the Chevys and 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 then you see our our, our little 911 in there as well, you know, <laughs> just 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 one, you know, just mixed in amongst all these these kind of very different looking racing cars, and you look at that and you think, wow. You know, I was I was part of the team that did that, and uh, and it's great. It's it's like the 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 twenty what was it the two thousand and three Daytona win. Yep. By um, was it your TRG wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. You know that's that's it's a legend. This you know this was a sort of legend that that hung around when I first went to Daytona in two thousand and ten. Oh, do you remember when Porsche won the race overall? You know. Blah, blah, blah. But now it's kind of that race that we were part of. That's now mentioned in the same breath, and uh, yeah, the, it's it's something that that history can never change. Things can can change, careers can change, and and racing can change. But the fact that we we were there on that day and and managed to to complete what we did as a group of people can never be taken away from us. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's, it, it it just. I can feel the the energy now. Just just talking about it, bringing it all back. It's um, yeah. The emotion that went into that day and the, the kind of the effort that went into that race. It was 
I'm I'm pretty sure the most emotional time I've had within within motorsport. Wow. For a single moment. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly it's the same. It was it was something unique and uh because of the of the weather also, because of the difficulty of the goal you have to achieve all this championship. It was not only the overall victory, it was the championship. For me it was driver and, and for the team the team championship. And and it was such a crazy year. I mean, we we have so many victories, so many great moments, and up and down also because we have disillusion like in Daytona and and everything. But we never give up, and and it was such a, a crazy season. And to finish like this, it was it was just like unreal. And and we will keep this forever. This is clear. Gents, thanks so much for taking some time. Really a blast to uh, to think back and. My shoes have finally dried out, by the way, from the event. So, uh... just one point, one point I will say, <laughs> because I saw I was sorting my trophies out the other day. Possibly the only bad or the only uh, point about the weekend that kind of isn't up there 100 percent is the fact my trophy says first DTLM. <laughs> <laughs> we never got a trophy that said first overall, but. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. You're totally right. I still have the trophy in front of me, and and let's say yeah. first place driver GTLM. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, we either need to get the two of you uh, Sharpie to uh, scribble that out and correct it, or surely we can ask our friends at Porsche to uh, to commission a correct uh, label to uh, to place on the trophy there. So how funny. Thanks again to our friends, Mr. Tandy, Mr. Pillay. Thanks again as well to Porsche. Fine folks there. Tom Moore helping to organize a three-way phone call with folks in very different time zones to put all this together. I hope you enjoyed it. I've spun out a lot of the quotes into a story that may or may not already be up on racer.com. Trying to give you the uh, the written portion to this podcast. So, uh fun looking back at it with them having been there and like i said been just waterlogged and soaked for the whole thing i actually enjoy such things believe it or not Uh, i love racing in the rain being out there in it and photographing and all that so magical time to be there just witnessing the power of proper tires and no special disrespect meant but everybody knew at the time that of the two or three brands competing in IMSA in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship with their rubber. Uh, There was one brand that was doing the best job. There was another brand that was doing a very good job in Falcon. And we're just going to leave it right there. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is a little podcast I named after myself. If you haven't, we're at almost a thousand episodes. So if you haven't had a chance to check into any of those, visit MarshallPruittPodcast.com. We got all of them there mostly categorized and then we've got a little subscribe page where you can do whatever you might want or need to do to make sure that you get all the silliness that flows out here on a regular basis thanks once more to our awesome supporters at cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa